Welcome to the Volcanoor Podcast Channel. My very special guest today is Taylor Morgan, um, who's a Marine Corps veteran. So welcome um, to the show. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate cool. it. Cool. So um, I'll dig into your bio a little bit and we'll have a chat. So um, you're a Marine Corps veteran, holistic style, lifestyle specialist, podcast host, and founder of the Captain's Lifestyle. So this is an interesting kind of thing. You also help social, social entrepreneurs maximize their health, happiness, and productivity so they can grow their impact, optimize their work-life balance, and fulfill their entrepreneurial vision. Cool, that's a mouthful, man. <laughs> so what's your definition yep. of a social entrepreneur then? That's an interesting kind of take. Yeah, basically any entrepreneur who is in business to improve something, whether that's other people, the environment, help animals. Um, yeah, basically anybody who whose sole purpose isn't just personal monetary gain. So businesses who are making some sort of impact, whether through charity or their product or service. Gotcha. Right. And I, at the end of the day, like um, I think at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur business, it's got to be more than the money anyway, because not, not money's not always great. <laughs> so if you got in it for the money, then maybe. You know. You got in the wrong business sometimes. <laughs> yes. So how long have you been doing this for? Like, um, I assume you, how long were you in the Marine Corps? Uh, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. After I got out, I was a CrossFit coach for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And then I've been, I started the Captain's Lifestyle in uh, late 2018, but I specifically started coaching entrepreneurs um, at the beginning of 2020. So right. right when everything crazy happened, but mm -hmm. thankfully people want to improve themselves and their business. So my business did real well. So I, I've been doing it for about a, a year and a half now and it's, it's been going well. And I think that, yeah, obviously everybody trapped inside, right? <laughs> it's like suddenly one of two things happens. They just start eating. <laughs> so, and um, I actually got a client of mine that's actually in the UK and she's been effectively locked down for eight months. She hasn't left the house except to go shopping for eight months. Oh, man. And, and you think to yourself, your brain just starts going fuzzy, you know, like, and, and, and I think, you know, people just start eating and eating and, and, or they go the other way. You see people get into fitness, but you know, a lot of people just like, oh, I guess it's a natural thing. You know, as soon as you get into a crisis situation, you go for comfort, right? Well, it's, that's the thing is it's not natural. If you're healthy, humans are meant to thrive. Mm. Our, our natural state is thriving. But unfortunately, we've got away from that as a society to now, you know, it's normal to struggle to get out of bed in the morning. You're groggy all day. You come home, you just want to binge watch TV and eat bad food. That's deemed as normal now, when in reality, that is the opposite of how humans were designed to live. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. People did take the lockdown basically one of two ways. You know, they played the, the victim mentality where it's like, oh government says it's locked down. I, I can't leave my house. I'm just going to eat whatever I want and, you know, complain about life or take the other path to where, yeah, lockdown, whatever. I'm still going to get outside because the sunshine is beneficial. You know, I'm still going to work out, even though the gyms are closed, you don't need a gym to do push-ups, air squats, yeah. sit-ups, you know, it, it's all just excuses. It's quite funny actually, because when I because I play squash, I was playing squash five times a week. So suddenly I'm not going anywhere because I couldn't go play squash because squash is one of the more high risk sports for whatever reason. They're like I guess two people in a room bumping into each other is not good. 
Um, and and so I, we tried it. I tried everything. I was a, almost built my own squash court at one point. <laughs> like it was like I sort of trying to think of this thing out the handyman round, thinking how could we build walls here and stuff. Like in the end, um, in the end, we didn't do anything because luckily we came out of lockdown fairly quickly. But at one point, there, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to play squash again if I can't build my court? <laughs> I do. I have a friend that actually a, a doctor that actually got his own squash court. I was tempted to ring him up at one point there. So. Yeah, I mean, the thing is your brain sort of starts work trying to figure something out. And I think that's the thing. If you sit there and just go, oh, well, that's it. I can't do anything. Um, then nothing comes to, to light. So you just sit there and veg out and, and watch Netflix all day. And I think the danger here is that um, to me, it was like, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, there was an opportunity to actually get some stuff done, right? Because now you, you maybe not necessarily got the same amount of traffic coming to you because particularly in like March last year, it was you know, everything just died off. I think it's an opportunity to kind of reinvent yourself or get stuff done that you didn't, you've been putting off. Yeah. For, for a lot of people, uh, it, it was that, but for me, almost nothing changed mm. in my day-to-day lifestyle just because yeah, I, I had already. Because <laughs> they're working from yeah. home. It's, it's normal, right? It's just, it's the, I think people really struggle with that, with that mindset, didn't they? Yeah, as long as you have the proper high performance lifestyle habits in place, mm. any external, you know, thing that happens besides some, you know, huge natural disaster, nothing should really interrupt your day to day life. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was, yeah, okay, the gyms are closed. That doesn't mean I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to mm. work out at home. You know, schedule mm. still stays the same. But um, a lot of people, they, they weren't used to that. And, and working from home became a real big issue because it all turned into gray area. There was no separation between work life and home life. Yep. And that's, that's a huge problem that causes massive amounts of stress mm-hmm. um, and in, inability to focus because, you know, if you're working from home, that's the same place where you're supposed to relax and it's just very confusing. And if you don't have those, like I mentioned, those habits in place, yeah, it can wreak havoc on on your life. And I think that yeah, and I think part of the problem was that a lot of people didn't necessarily have a place to work at home either. Like I mean, I in my, <laughs> well, you can yeah. work from home, you designate a space, you you know find a room, would do whatever. But if, if suddenly you're thrust into it, they live, you're working in a living room or whatever, and you've got traffic going on, and everybody's at home driving each other nuts. So at the end of the day, it's not it's not set up that way. So I think that's yeah. probably a challenge, but. I think you talk about discipline or you talk about habits and I think that's an important thing. So what, what do you sort of see as the habits that people, particularly working from home is essentially is the habits they should have um, to do that successfully? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a loaded question that there, there's so many different things, but I'll, I'll give some of the, some of the big I mean, ones. Give me what you do, I guess. So is it what works yeah. for you is lead off for someone else, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like you mentioned, uh, I was, I wrote a few articles um, for different publications. And, and one of the things that was coming up all the time was you're right. You absolutely have to designate a set workspace. Mm. That's once you go to that space or sit down on the desk, wherever it is, go into that room, you know that that's only for work. So mm. you should not be working from your bedroom. Yeah. Uh, ideally, if you, if you do have to work and sleep or eat whatever in the same room, you should have at least a designated space. So mm-hmm. a table, a desk, something to where you don't do anything but work in that area just to keep mm-hmm. everything separate. Cause that's really important to have some sort of clear separation. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm working and now I'm in my regular day-to-day life. That's very important. Um, but I'd say in general for, 
everybody, not just people working from home, you need to have set morning rituals and a set evening ritual. So your morning and evening should be you. It should not be work or anything else. Your, your morning and your evening is time for you. So for me, I teach the 4-3-2-1-30 method for your nightly ritual, which I'll go into each of them real quick. Four is four hours before bed. Make sure you finish up all intense exercise. Um, so as long as you work out in the morning or afternoon, that's fine. You just don't want to work out too close to bedtime because that raises both your core body temperature and your cortisol levels two of the things that you want to reduce right before bed. Uh, the three is three hours before bed, finish up your last meal because you don't want to go to bed with a big meal in your stomach, uh, digesting that doesn't help your sleep. Uh, that also raises your core body temperature, digesting food, and you want your core body temperature to drop by two degrees. Um, in order to get into deep sleep, which is the restorative sleep where your body has a chance to regenerate itself. It's when anabolic hormones are released like testosterone and HGH. Um, and then the two hours before bed is limit all forms of stimulation. So especially light from screens, the blue light shuts off melatonin production. That makes it very difficult to fall asleep. Uh, overhead LED lights, anything like that. Uh, as well as sound stimulation like you don't want to be listening to hard rock right before you go to bed um, so like soothing calming sounds are okay and then the one hour before bed is limit your liquid intake especially if you have to wake up to pee in the middle of the night yeah because that can greatly disrupt your sleep so that's a simple way to improve it yeah. uh, just cut out the liquids and then also start your nightly ritual at one hour before bed so no work you shouldn't be working right up until you fall asleep. That also <laughs> raises cortisol. Yeah. Um, so instead, do things like journaling or meditation, stretching, um, reading, something like that. Anything that helps wind you down and, and helps you relax. And then the 30 is take your supplements. And this is going to vary uh, per person. But something I recommend everybody take is magnesium. Just because up to 80% of the population uh, are deficient in magnesium and magnesium plays a role in over 300 different bodily functions. Um, most notably, and why you want to take it before bed is it reduces stress and uh, improves the quality of deep sleep. So that's just one example, but so that's the four, three, two, one 30 method. Right. Makes sense. And I think um, like for me, I, 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 when I finish up on Friday afternoons, I, I have an office and I work, walk out of that office. I don't tend to walk back into that office for the entire weekend unless I go go fix something or get yeah. something. But it's almost like in, in my mind that's work and I'm not going to work. And I think you've you got to, sort of put, as you say, you got to put those barriers up in terms of saying, okay, that's work, that's, that's not work. Because otherwise, if you, if you work from home, you, you will be always working <laughs> and you'll end up in a situation where, you know, just, it gets very blurry and then, then obviously then you're working up to it late, late not times at night. And then that sort of, as you say, because without sleep, without proper sleep, you're going to end up in, a, in an endless pit, aren't you? Yeah. It, so the first thing I want to say is, yeah, you'll be always working and you'll really not be getting anything done mm. because if there's, it's all gray area and there's no separation, you could be thinking about 
family. You could be thinking about what you're going to do after work. You could be thinking about the presentation that's due because it's all blended together and you can't multitask. So if your mind is thinking about all these different things at once, the quality of your work is going to diminish greatly. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big reasons why you need that clear separation. So you can be 100% at work or 100% off of work. And to your, your other point, sleep. If you don't have good quality sleep, nothing, nothing else in your life can be at its full potential. You can't be healthy. You can't reach your, your peak happiness. And you most certainly cannot be as productive as you can be. Sleep is literally the baseline of human performance. It's, it's that important. It's actually interesting because I read in this book um, a while back called, uh, I think it's a brief history of mankind or whatever. And I don't think that's like the subtitle of it. But one of the things it talks about is that the reason why humans got to where they got today was their brain grew bigger. And the reason their brain grew bigger is because they got able to sleep. And the reason they were able to sleep was actually essentially engineered dogs to look after them while they slept. Mm. So they could actually sleep without stress because otherwise something would come and eat them. (laughs) And so it was like, it's quite interesting is it, you know, that obviously that's a a fundamental thing that was happening centuries ago, hundreds of hundreds of years ago. So obviously it's still to this day is that is the same thing, right? So your brain is probably growing and, and doing stuff while you're sleeping. But if you've got that stress level, um, that's that, then you're not, it's not, isn't it? It's going backwards. Possibly. Yeah. I wish we would have had some of those dogs in the Marine Corps because uh, in the Marine Corps, when you're out on a mission, you have what's called fire watch. So right. in the evening, everybody is sleeping and then you have to have um, at least one person, but usually more than that, uh, people awake in case, you know, something mm, happens. Something happens, yeah. Uh, so that obviously messes up your sleep cycle. And you so tell me, you're telling me SEAL team's wrong, that they have a dog on SEAL team and you don't really have, <laughs> you have a dog, you tell me it's wrong. I, I wish we would have had a dog. Um, yeah, we didn't. But All oh, right, because on SEAL team, they have this dog or that comes and goes. <laughs> it's like, I mean, watching, because um, for some re- bizarre reason on TV in Australia, SEAL team is on one channel and they've decided to charge for it, like a free to air channel. And I'm like, and you guys are going to eventually put this up. No, they're not going to. So in the end, I signed up. Then I'm going to binge it <laughs> just so I can get through the thing because they won't, they won't actually put it on free edit TV. So, mm. um, but it's interesting when you look at um, those sort of scenarios. Like a marine, you, you're very controlled about what you do and when you do it right. So that does give you set your foundation for that kind of much more disciplined kind of approach, isn't it? Like at the end of the day, most people don't grow up that way, do they? They just basically, you know jump around they never really shown any sort of regiment or, or discipline are they yeah well i think the the disciplinary aspect of the marine corps was great i think everybody needs some form of that in their life especially in modern society I, a lot of people don't have the discipline just because every you know to be pl- politically correct like we just have to accept everything like yeah that's fine it's like no it's not you can't just do whatever you want you have to have some sense of discipline um jocko willink he's a famous navy seal author of extreme ownership his phrase is discipline equals freedom Mm -hmm. the more disciplined you are in anything in your diet in your workout regimen in your work-life balance the more freedom you will then have because if you don't have discipline in your diet if you stick to your diet monday through friday but then saturday sunday you eat whatever you want you're not going to have the body you want so it's, and that, that goes with everything. So the more discipline you have, the longer you can delay gratification, the more long-term success you will see. But everybody just wants to feel good now. They make the comfortable decision right now. And then they mm-hmm. suffer down the road. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting. Nothing comes good without a bit of effort, right? <laughs> so it's like, exactly. a, and I think that's, and that's the other danger of, of people. I think if, if you're in a situation in business where you need to get something done that's very important and, and you're not healthy at the same time, your health will suffer as a result. Like, um, you know, I, I, got, um, I got bowel cancer when I, about 2016 mm. and I really believe it was from a seven-year prior period where basically I was under extreme pressure and extreme stress for that seven-year period. And I yep. must guarantee that that's what caused it. Um, yep. Since then, and, and you, you sort of develop some stuff around it, but I mean, that was an impossible situation. I had no way out of it at the time. But at the end of the day, you know, it changed your lifestyle. You get, you know, you say, look, I'm going to work some hours a week. I've never had any symptoms ever again. And so it's almost like you look at it and think, yeah, that's, that's a very good way to kind of be your own experiment, if you like, you know, pay attention to your body. And the only reason that I was even diagnosed early enough was I was paying attention enough to go, well, hey, this is not right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the thing is if you, if you don't feel right, then it's not normal, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like I mentioned at the beginning, people think that it's normal to have trouble getting out of bed on Monday morning and be groggy and need three cups of coffee to get through the day and, you know, be stressed out in the evenings. Like that's not normal. Mm. Um, another good example is aging. People always tell me, oh, you're so young. It's just because your metabolism, um, you know, you'll see when you're older, you have these aches and pains, you'll gain weight. I'm like, no, if you take care of your body, your body will take care of you no matter what age you're at. Mm. My dad is a perfect example of this. He was a professional baseball player and he continued playing his whole entire life up until about five years ago, he had to stop because he wasn't enjoying it anymore mm -hmm. because he was always hurt. His arm hurt to throw. Yeah. Um, and he just contributed to getting older. And mm -hmm. so he retired from baseball. And then I, you know, me being the health coach that I am, I, I started helping him with his sleep, with his diet. He started exercising even more, reducing stress, all that type of stuff. And now he's back to playing baseball because it wasn't the aging it was that he wasn't optimizing his health for performance. So now he, he says that he feels better uh, than he did 10 years ago. And he's 66 and still playing baseball. It's, it's, it's not aging. It's that you're not taking care of your body. People just give the aging excuse because that easy. gives them an excuse. Yeah, it's easy. Exactly. Mm. It takes the, the guilt off them. You know, mm. I'm just getting older. I can't do anything about it. Because the reality is the body renews itself. So you've got to wonder why at some point it would stop doing that. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it would be a pretty bad design when you think about it, is that at some point the, the universe says, okay, that's it. End of the story. No, no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Humans, uh, humans aren't supposed to die of chronic disease. Chron all forms of chronic disease are 100% preventable because they're 100% lifestyle related. Mm. So cancer, type two diabetes, um, heart disease, obesity, all of those are 100% preventable and reversible based on like actual healthy lifestyle habits. So mm. getting out in the sunshine, connecting with nature, sleeping well, eating specific to you, not just some fad diet that you see on the news, exercising, building relationships. It all goes into it. Um, the answer is not <laughs> medications as uh, yeah, as <laughs> yeah. believe because it's a it's never ending like 
you know, I, you know, I said to the doctor once about taking some tablets. She said, I said, so once I take this, this is going to be it, isn't it? I'm stuck with it. She said, yeah. I said, no, I'm not doing it. Because yeah. that, that means that you've actually got a situation where you, you actually have to give up on that particular thing because now you're supplementing whatever that was supposed to be. And you yeah. rending streets. And I think that's the thing. Once you start medication, people think, oh, I'll just take it for a while and go off it. No, once they've got you, that's it. They've got you. Yeah, that's, that's the problem with Western medicine is that it, it's, it's a Band-Aid solution. So the, the example that I like to give is if you felt uh, a pain in the bottom of your foot, would you take an aspirin to get rid of the pain and not feel it anymore? Or would you take off your shoe, examine, and maybe there's a rock in there that you're <laughs> stepping on it, and then you just dump out the rock? Yeah. So finding the, the actual cause of the problem as opposed mm. to just masking it with some medication. Mm. And that's typically what doctors do nowadays. I mean, the, 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 I think apparently years ago, doctors weren't, you know, were more holistic, but then they got forced by drug companies to basically medicate. And they said, if you don't medicate, you're in trouble. So they kind of almost get to the point now, they don't worry about what causes it. They just worry about what's going to fix it. Well, I think at least in Western medicine, uh, doctors have almost always been focused on the medication like what they treat the, the symptoms, not the cause. And that's because modern medicine was founded by um, pharmaceutical companies. That's funded by. They're you know, pushed these... Yeah. They're pushed into it. And exactly. And so of course they're going to want to push these. And this is not to say that all medical doctors are bad. Absolutely mm. not. Mm. Um, uh, Western medicine is fantastic for, acute traumas. You know, if you get into a car accident, yeah. like, yeah, don't, don't, don't go. Disagree with the fact your arm's falling off. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't take these herbal supplements. Like you need to go to, to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for anything chronic lifestyle related that accumulates over time, uh, Western medicine is not the answer. And we're seeing that because people are just getting sicker and sicker. Mm. And I think that's, that's the issue. I mean, it's, it's um, a case of figuring out what's caused it. And, and I think the education, I think one of the things that when I see my doctor, she says, oh, well, I'm going to tell you what I think, but then I know you're going to go and research it. Mm. So I'll just tell you what, you know, and I'll give you points and you can go look it up and figure it out whether you like it or not. And I think that's a, a better way to approach it because at the end of the day that you're taking control over your own body, your own health, your own what you're taking, as opposed yeah. to just taking whatever they say is gold and going, yeah, I'll go do that. Um, yeah, I, I think for, for too long, we've just, you know, if somebody's a doctor, it's like, okay, whatever they say is true just because they're a doctor. Mm. But especially in the world of health and wellness and nutrition, new studies are coming out all the time. So what they learned in medical school 10 years ago mm. does not apply today. Mm. There's a lot of things that, that I even learned in some of the college classes that I took that are outdated. You know, yeah. it, it takes a long time for the medical and educational system to catch up. And by the time it's caught up, there's already new research out there. So mm. it's always evolving. Um, mm. And doctors are, they're way too busy to keep up with it. You know, yeah, exactly, they, to read enough stuff. That's well, I mean, even like take it out a bit further. If you, I was watching, I've been watching a few while back with um, watching things about planets, right? And, and the fact that they've, you know, they've sent all these sensors out to find all these uh, satellites to find things out about all these planets. And they've come back and gone, this is what we thought was totally wrong. Mm. So this is not what we thought it was. And this is this yeah. is not the way it happened. And this is not. And so all these assumptions that people have relied on for centuries was wrong. So yeah. you can't tell me that looking from distance with health and, and fitness, that that's all right 20 years ago, 100 years ago, that you got it right. 
And I think the biggest problem is that in order for the medical system or the educational system to change, somebody has to admit that they were wrong. Mm. And of course, nobody wants to admit they were wrong. And so it, it stays the same over and over again until, you know, there's some, you know, until somebody changes things. But that's, I think that's why it takes so long because nobody wants to admit that the way we've been doing things for the past, however long has not been right. And, and, and overall they're a slow moving beast because most of the time it's government backed and related. So the government's got to approve these things and, yeah. and um, about the vaccine, the vaccine for COVID is about the fastest I've ever seen any government move in their life. But because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's all about the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's costing yeah. everybody money. Right. So including the government, but I think the thing is then, is it just proves to show you that certain things can move faster if they really want to, right? So, you know, and, and I've heard things about some cancers and stuff, apparently they've found cures for it, probably as a result of the research from COVID. But the thing is that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an intense activity looking at something that's got a result and just proves that you can do it if you really want to. It's just they don't really want to. Right? Yeah, well, uh, again, I mean, my views are probably a little bit controversial, but I... I mean, I think cancer has been solved. Just mm. live a healthy lifestyle. Mm. And when I say healthy, I mean, actually healthy, avoiding all these toxic chemicals in plastics, you know, um, actually eating a diet suitable for you. And that's going to be different from person to person. You know, there's not one good diet. It's, you know, making sure you're drinking good water because there's a whole host of chemicals that are in a lot of tap water. Um, so really living a, a healthy lifestyle. And then second, I, I think that it's, it's all anything related to the government or these big major companies. I think, unfortunately, a lot of it is just behind money. I think mm. that there's some sort of, you know, monetary investment that, that. Yeah. Well, my friend was to say, if you want to figure out what's going on, follow the money. Exactly. Like, figure out where the money is and then you'll know what's going on because it's, it's usually motivated by money. And unfortunately that's the only thing and you know, like research doesn't get paid without money. So you know, someone's got, <laughs> yeah. to, something's got to happen in some respects, but so, and that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to work with social entrepreneurs mm. because they're not motivated by money. I mean, yes, of course they need money. They want more money to live the lifestyle that they want to live, but that's not their primary reason for being in business because I was, I, I would always turn down, uh, the clients who wanted to work with me solely for personal gain. Mm. I, I wouldn't want to work with them because I don't think that you can be happy living that way. Like you mentioned at the beginning, it, happiness, mm. it, you know, money does not equal happiness. There mm. has to be some bigger purpose involved. Well, look at all the movie stars and all the people who make a lot of money, you know, like it, they usually end up being basket cases. Like they usually end up worse as a result. They reckon most people who win lotto end up poorer in, in, le in less than five years than they actually did when they had won it. So it's, I think money, it's, it's the way you use it, right? It's the interpretation yeah. of that money. And I always believe the money's an exchange of energy at the end of the day. So mm. if someone doesn't tick up on the energy, they don't pay you money anyway. They don't believe that there's an exchange there. And yeah. so, and I think the money gets attracted from that result. So you see people get money at them fast and then suddenly they do something, you find out they've done something bad, the money goes away really fast, right? Like just to repel. So I think, you know, I think it, it is, and I think possibly, you know, the theory of doing the social um, entrepreneur stuff will mean that they'll probably attract more money anyway as a result of that. So it's almost like it's the opposite of what they expect to happen. 100%. Um, a lot of my clients, and I've interviewed them on my podcast, mm. it's a little bit more difficult in the beginning 
to be like a, an eco-friendly startup, for example, mm -hmm. because unfortunately, as of now, the price of eco-friendly materials are more expensive than plastic, mm -hmm. for example. The easier decision in the short term would be to go with the plastic. But because that goes against their core values and plastic is horrible for the environment, they don't do that. So it costs them a little bit more um, time, energy, and money up front. But because I believe that the future of entrepreneurship and the whole world is going more towards sustainability, because mm -hmm. if we don't, I we believe no choice. <laughs> yeah, we don't have much longer on the earth, mm -hmm. then it'll pay off in the long run. So I think the sooner that companies start to realize this, that by paying more for these eco-friendly materials now, it's going to pay off dividends in the long run because consumers are starting to wake up to this. Mm. If you have two identical companies that make the same identical product, but one company uses eco-friendly products um, and they give back to the environment in some way, and the other company doesn't care, they use plastic, whatever, people don't care if they have to pay a little bit more for the eco-friendly product because- They're educated, yeah. Exactly. Mm. That, that, that goes against their morals to-, to do otherwise and it was interesting like uh, there's an ad on tv in the moment for volvo and exactly i don't exactly know the the exact wording but they said something like they're going to i think zero sustainability or whatever that catch cry is starting today mm. so they weren't saying oh we're going to start in 2035 or something by the time you forget that we mentioned it I they said that. starting today and i thought that was an interesting kind of take because what they're saying is well with this to start doing it now not not as a wait and yeah, maybe they're not that. going to achieve it straight away, but at least you started today. You didn't put it off for two, three years, 10 years. I think it's I part think, of the problem is people just need to start today, right? I think that is one of the, the big factors of what's what creates successful companies. And I, I don't know anything about Volvo or that commercial. They might just be saying it for marketing. Oh, sure. But, well, they get in big trouble if, if someone found out, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, point. but so if... They, if their CEO is optimized, because I believe in order to be a successful CEO, you have to first care about yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to care about your own health, happiness, and productivity um, in order to, to be successful. And I, then I think you have to care about your employees. You have to care about their health, happiness, and productivity, because if your employees aren't healthy and happy or productive, you're not going to have a successful business. And then three, I think that they have to care about the environment in some way, shape or form and giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. So if Volvo CEO is like that and their core values, you know, are, are leading them in this direction and they're serious about it, I think they're going to be uh, one of the, the greatest car companies because I think a lot of other companies are just saying these things because mm -hmm. that's like the new socially acceptable thing to do. Like, exactly. yeah, in 20 years, all mm -hmm. of our cars are going to be, you know, eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I think I think a lot of it is just a, a marketing tactic. Oh, yeah. I mean, the marketing guys could have come up with this. And that's the thing. Like, it, as you say, it's got to be ground from, from top down. Otherwise, it'll never work because people won't adopt it. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly with a company like that, if it wasn't intrinsic in their, in their future, they hadn't decided that was going to be their future then, you know, the engineers are not certain they're going to make the cars the way they need to make them. There's, you know, there's no one's going to make any decision in that process. And I guess that, that comes down to a big why, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's why they're doing it and whether they're going to yes. follow that why. It, it has to be a whole entire company culture. Mm. That's why I believe that, you know, 
CEOs have to hire by, reward by, and fire by their mission statement and core values. Mm -hmm. I think to be a successful business, to be a truly great business, you can't have anybody working for you who just views it as just another job. I think employees need to really enjoy and find purpose behind what they're doing. Because like I said, in order to, to get the most out of your employees and your business, you have to be healthy, happy, and productive. If you don't like your job, you're not going to be as productive during work. Mm-hmm. You're just not because you don't enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem too is that nowadays like life is too short, right? And so at the end of the day, um, you spend a long time at work. If you don't enjoy it, then that's you know you're not, you're not going to get to your deathbed and really think, "Geez, I wish I spent more time at lot on at work," you know. And it's yeah. like it's like a catch twenty two. So I think at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy it, and and I think those sort of people are, can be cancerous to the business anyway. Like it's almost like you've got yourself a piece of cancer there because they will just keep on pegging away at the business. And I had twenty three staff at one point there, and and we probably fired like eighty people over the mm. over the period of the seven eight years we traded. And, and basically, a lot of those times, some people left, but sometimes just weren't suitable. So we made them, did them a favor because yeah. the reality was that the longer they stayed, the worse it would get. And I think you got fight, you know, higher fast in terms of in, in the right people, but higher slow if you're not sure, but fire fast. <laughs> you know, like yes. I, I was like, if once you get to a point where you've got this gut feeling that's not going to work out, you're you're just going to keep on just reinforcing the fact that you're going to talk yourself out of it. But the reality is it's not going to work. Yeah. And on this topic, I, I have the perfect passage from this book, uh, Own the Day, Own Your Life by Aubrey Marcus. And in here, he says that uh, Bronnie Ware, she was a um, uh, like a critical care nurse She wrote a book about the top five deathbed regrets. And I don't have, I don't have all five, but I have the top three. Okay. Number one, number one, this came from every single male patient that she cared for was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Mm -hmm. Number one. Yeah. Number two, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends, you know, Mm -hmm. people, entrepreneurs especially they they work so hard in their business Mm. thinking that that's what they want but then even if you are successful you've worked so hard that you've pushed away all your friends you Mm. don't have those those connections yeah exactly Mm. and then number three is i wish i had let myself be happier and notice notice the wording there i wish i had let myself be happier because they then understood that happiness was a choice all along you, mm. you get to choose whether or not you're happy based on how you live your life. Mm. And going to work at a job you don't like, that's a surefire way to not be truly happy. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've been through that in a few years, in the years that I've been. So once I get to a point in business where I'm not happy with what's going on, if you, I think there's a saying that I've got a friend that says, if you wake up three times in a row thinking about something or someone and it, you're, not, you're not married to them, then you should change it, <laughs> you know? And it's like um, in that situation, like if you keep work, if I wake up three times in a row worrying about the same thing, talking about the same person, you know, like if it's a client and, and sometimes I'll just fire the client because it's easier to do that than it is to keep on with that, you know, toxic relationship because they need to do them a favor because it's yeah. in this situation. So I think if you keep thinking about something, that's a really good trigger to say, you've got to pay attention to that. 
Don't just yeah. just keep discounting it and think, oh, well, that's all right. I'll just move on and talk myself out of it and move on. But if your brain keeps on bringing it up, then something's not right. 100%. And I think saying no is like one of the secrets of high performance. You know, I think so many people say yes to taking on new projects just because that's what they're supposed to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think saying no to a lot of things is is even better. Uh, and I think the first step is defining your mission statement and your core values. That's the first thing I have my clients do in my program, because if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know your end goal, how can you ever get there? So yeah. and people almost sidetrack you, right? So that's the thing. Like, like yeah. when we started our software business, when we wrote, we've written a software application platform to, to help authors, you know, content creators and things like that to help them. And, and some will come along and they'll go, well, we got this plug-in or we got this thing. Or it's like, no, no, it doesn't fit within what we're going to try and achieve. No, we're not going to do it. Rather than going, oh, let's go down this rabbit hole and have this conversation where I know it's not going to work out. Yeah. You know? And I think that's being clear about, yeah, I don't want, that doesn't fit the, the plan and the way that I'm working. So that's a no. And, yeah. and the thing is, usually the more successful people become, the less they say yes. Absolutely. Don't confuse opportunities for, you know, what you should be doing. Mm. Just Mm. because it's a good opportunity doesn't mean that you should do it. Yeah. Um, I I call your mission statement, your treasure map, because Mm. if you follow it, it leads you to life's ultimate treasure and only you get to define what that is. It's going to be different for every person. Mm. And I, I call your core values, your compass directions. Because if you follow your core values, that's going to lead you in mm. the right direction to fulfill your mission statement. So that's mm. just following in the, the whole uh, captain. captain, you know, <laughs> pirate theme. For, yeah. So I know you did go for the pirate side of things, but apparently um, it was quite funny. I was listening to a podcast episode just recently. It's probably got nothing to do with this, but anyway, and it's a long story. It's about Pirate Bay, but um mm. And it, it's an interesting story. It's on a thing called Darknet Diaries, which I was quite listening to. And it's it's unsurprising, it's surprising what Pirate Bay did. But one of the things was that um, I think Warner or whatever, they decided to put this um, statement on their movies to say, look, don't pirate movies. You know, this is all bad for you and all that sort of stuff. And bizarrely, they put it on the Pirates of Caribbean at the front of them. And it's like, it's like, man, you didn't think about that at all. Did you like, you know, yeah. people, pirates are kind of like typically like more, more romantically sort of, looked at and and it's like the, and they're trying to sort of like make it out that it's not so it's almost like it backfired on big time but apparently that was actually written for pirate bay to try and stop people from <laughs> pirating movies on the side it's like hmm. words don't necessarily mean what you think they do either yeah yeah okay cool um so what's the like if someone um comes to you and says okay i've got this you know problem i'm not i'm not aligned i'm not doing what i think i should do i feel well what, what's the first few, few things you would do with them? Like, what do you, what's your kind of process? Well, the first thing I would do is ask them how they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Because like I mentioned earlier, sleep is truly the foundation of everything else in your life. Uh, if you're not sleeping well, nothing else in your life is, is going to be at where it should be. So that's number one, is, is figuring out your sleep. Um, from there, 
I mean, depending on what the issue is, it could be stress related. It could be nutrition related. Uh, your gut is your second brain. So if you're eating foods that you're not supposed to be eating, that's obviously going to affect your neurotransmitters and the decisions that you make and how you feel and your ability to focus and all that type of stuff. So nutrition is also huge. Um, and then, you know, if they're doing everything right, if their sleep is dialed in, if their nutrition is dialed in, if they're exercising, then it comes down to, you know, these things that most people probably don't need to worry about at first, you know, things like um, mold and mycotoxin exposure, uh, are you eating organic foods? Are you grounding? Are you connecting with the earth? Um, there's different like biohacks and supplements that you can use, but those are always my last ditch um, options. Any type mm -hmm. of biohack or supplement should mo more than likely be the last thing because you can fix most problems with quality sleep, optimized nutrition, movement, you know, good quality water, exercise, sunlight. Um, and then, you know, you can achieve peak performance by implementing some of these other biohacks. It's almost like yeah, the 80 20 rule, essentially, like 80% of probably is probably pretty obvious what's going on. And the yeah. other 20% is really just optimizing that ultimately, isn't it? Yes, it, exactly. And mm -hmm. so in my program, I, I have the six pillars of optimized human performance. So number one is mindset and brain health. And so that's when, um, well, we optimize your mindset and then we, we dive into fixing neurotransmitter imbalances in the brain. Um, and as well as, like I mentioned, uh, defining your mission statement and your core values. Once that's set, you know, once you have determined where it is you want to go, then we optimize your sleep. That's next. Uh, from there, we go into communication. So optimizing your communication with business partners, you know, relationships with your friends and family, because um, that's hugely important to a long, happy and fulfilling life is the quality of your relationships. Mm. Uh, from there, we dial in your nutrition. So that's three. Uh, four is exercise. Five. Oh, wait, I'm skipping one. Mindset, sleep, communication, nutrition, exercise and then biohacks and different optimization techniques yeah okay and i mean yeah i mean it's pretty obvious isn't it but i mean sometimes the um obvious doesn't necessarily come to the come to the fray because it obviously requires some work right you've got to you've got to have a you've got to have a desire to do this and a reason for doing this i suppose and i guess that's why you're looking at the reasons at the start because without a reason you're not going to do anything 100 percent. and i came up with that specific um order because when i was a crossfit coach so many people thought that they could come into the gym for one hour and that would offset the other 23 hours of their bad lifestyle yeah that's just not how it works like if you're not sleeping if you're not eating well if you're stressed out working out could actually do more harm than good mm -hmm. because yeah, like sleep is awesome. when you recover yeah, yeah, that's that's when your muscles recover. So mm. if you're working out but only sleeping six hours a night, you might actually be making yourself weaker Something and right. more stressed out. <laughs> yeah, 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 it makes sense. And I, yeah, I mean that's it's good. It's interesting. I quite like um, I quite like your approach, and I think it's and it, obviously it's designed to have a bit of fun on the way through, right? Because otherwise, you know, without a bit of fun, it's not it's not worth it. If it's, it's not fun, I'm, yeah, you're not gonna I remember do it. A, a TEDx talk or something talking about um, the reason why people live longer is the ability to pick the phone up 
in that case. And that was if when their friends pass away, that they can keep on going without losing hope and having that grit and that that circle of friends they maintain. Mm. And you notice in a lot of the um, situations, like when my um, when my father-in-law passed away, he started to like withdraw from everybody and wouldn't talk to anybody, and you know wouldn't eat and all that sort of stuff. And that's basically it's almost you. That's so obvious when you see that, but you don't see that as obvious in a normal society. But you know, with him, he was, you know, he obviously is getting himself ready to go. Mm. And then you see other people doing it at, at 30, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's too, you know, that's way too early to start thinking about stuff like that. And and you can see what happens when people isolate themselves because then there's no one around and then, and then they don't basically don't take care of themselves. Um, yeah. That's, that's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the worst things that has come from these lockdowns is this mm. social isolation People are now, uh, unfortunately, scared of other people because yeah. the media has portrayed this massive danger mm. from other people. And, mm. you know, even like me, I'm standing outside uh, on the sidewalk in the morning watching the sunrise. There's people walking by. Some people go out of their way to go well around me just because mm. it's, you know, their fear. Yeah. And it's crazy. So that's that's been a huge issue, I, I think. Um, depression and, and isolation are, are a much, much bigger issue. Mm. Um, the Harvard happiness study is one of the, the best examples of this. They, I think it might be still ongoing. It's, it's spanned over like 75 years and they followed people throughout their entire lives. And what they found was that the single biggest correlating factor to a long, healthy and fulfilling life was not what you ate was not whether or not you smoked, but it was the quality of your connections with the people who are closest to you, mm. those relationships. So with the lockdown, we now think that we can't go see our loved ones and connect with them and everything's virtual. Yeah. Uh, you know, virtual well, yeah. is better than nothing at all, but it's gotta be that in-person connection. Well, it's crazy because at one point they're like in, was in, New, in, in Australia, Melbourne had, had lots of outbreaks. And one of the times they said, you weren't even allowed to go and see your girlfriend. You had, you, yeah. it was, they're like, you were locked down. You couldn't even do that. You couldn't go and see someone who wasn't in your own house. Yeah. I, I think that's moving in together yeah. <laughs> just yeah. because they, to stop that from happening. Because, <laughs> yeah. So the situation like, you can't go and see a significant other if they're not in your house. That was one of the rules. Or you'll yeah. get fined thousands of dollars. And it's like, that's a really bad message to send to anybody ultimately, isn't it? I think that's ridiculous. Like, who is the government to tell us that we can't go visit somebody that we love? One of my clients, for example, yeah. uh, one of one of his parents was dying and they were in the hospital. But mm. because of the rules, That's he it. couldn't do anything about it. And that is just heartbreaking to me. If that was me, I would I don't know, I'd probably get arrested. I would bust through the hospital. <laughs> F yeah. you guys. I'm I'm seeing them. Yeah, yeah. No I mean, that's the thing. I think it, there's a yeah. fine line, and I think, and one of the challenges coming moving forward will be, you know, at which point do people start saying, "Oh, I'm okay to hug people, okay to stand beside people in crowds and stuff like that," and it gets back to some sort of normal. But I don't think that that hyper awareness will, will go away anytime soon. Now, like you get know, certain people will just, <laughs> you know. Well, I think that's because the whole narrative in the media is opposite. Again, it's going back to. Um, the, the, uh, what I say before about the, the medicine, it's they're treating the symptoms, not the yes. cause, yes. you know, if everybody lived a healthy lifestyle and I mean, an actual healthy lifestyle, 
nobody would have these risk factors that, you know, mm. double the, the chances of getting it. Yes. If everybody was healthy, this wouldn't have been a pandemic in the first place. We would be crushed off, right? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I, I felt like I had a cold for two days. I got better in three. Like mm. it was totally fine. Mm. And it, I think the, the conversation needs to be around true health, not just masking the problems with these different, you know, vaccines and medications and all that type of stuff it's an opportunity to have a conversation really isn't it like it's exactly. the best time to have this conversation about health because it's it's highlighted you know in some countries how bad their health system really is um i was talking i've got a um, employee in philippines and I asked her last night how things were going she said well we the government can't afford the vaccines hmm. so there's you know like i was looking at the peaks of number of cases per day and their cases were like six and a half thousand cases today yesterday and it's like, why? And she says, well, because they can't afford the vaccine and then people are scared to go and get it as well. And, and you get a situation where, well, ultimately the only way they're going to get out of this situation is through through some sort of you know vaccine because at the end of the day, everybody's going to keep getting it in that sort of environment. So you're stuffed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe the vaccine is the answer. Vitamin it's not a long-term D. answer. It's just a short-term fix to be able to get them out again. But then, the, as you say, it's, it has to be a bigger conversation. It has to be it's like, well, what, is, what caused this? How can we prevent it? Not just blame someone for it, but actually say, well, could we have improved the world's population health-wise and looked at yeah. what, what the, who was the most people that got it, the, you know, the, the worst, and then figure that out. But no one seems to be doing any research about that. They're almost just worried about getting rid of it and then, you know, go away and forget about it. But, yeah, yeah. the reason it happened <laughs> will never be, out, you know, really talked about. Well, vitamin mm. D is free, mm. and that has been shown to dramatically improve the the uh, effects and yeah. it's been known that vitamin d is the best thing for your immune system mm. but the reason why nobody's hearing about it besides these holistic practitioners like myself who are preaching it is because there's no money behind it yeah exactly it's free right <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's there's free solutions well, to, I think to I'm one day I'll probably find a way to charge uh, tax sunlight for sure, I reckon. <laughs> like, just another thing, like water, right? Yeah. They tax water. I don't ever get the concept where they're charging you for water, but anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah. thanks so much for talking to me. And I know you're on a time crunch and and, you, and we're up, up to the hour. So really enjoy talking to you. And I think um, it starts a conversation at the end of the day. And I think if, so you've got a website. Um, actually, I don't have your website address here. I, I would direct people to info.thecaptainslifestyle.com. Okay. So there you can download my free ebook on the 432130 method that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. That also has the links to my social media as well as my full website uh, and right. my podcast. So right. um, yeah, that you can find. Well, we'll find put me. that link up on the, in the notes anyway, so people yep. find it. So really appreciate your time and, and, um, and let's, um, let's talk again sometime soon. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, John.